Uh, so anyway, let's get into our word this morning. Today we're going to wrap up our series on foolproof. And so for the last two months, we've been talking about things that uh, the wisdom of God that helps us in not making a fool of ourselves. How many of you started singing that? So I was driving down the road the other day and the song came on the radio. Everybody plays the fool sometimes. Ain't no exception to it. And I started singing it. And then I started thinking about all the messages in this series. And that's really what this series is about. It's about teaching us the practical wisdom of God so that we can live in an unsettling world. How many know we live in an unsettling world right now? Uh, we live in a very topsy-turvy world. God's Word is not just my Sunday Word, it's my everyday Word. It applies to every facet of my life. There's not one place or one time or one situation that I can be in that God's Word has not weighed in somehow. And so this morning, I'm going to wrap this series up by preaching a very popular message, financial peace. So we're going to talk about foolproof in our life. Listen, there's one area that most people are prone uh, we've talked about several, but this one here, most people, if they're going to act a fool, it's going to be their finances. God's Word says something about finances, and so we're going to talk about it. Proverbs 11, verse 24, verses 24 and 25 says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Let's read that again. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now again, understand if you've not added that to your daily reading, I want to encourage you to read uh, a proverb. You know, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You can read one chapter a day or you can read a few verses, but, but I promise you that if you'll start partaking of the wisdom of God, you will find uh, that life decisions, how many's ever been in a, a quandary of not knowing really what to do? Anybody, anybody ever been there? I mean, you, you struggle with not understanding, should I go right, should I go left, should I go straight, should I marry the brunette, the redhead, the blonde, should I buy this house, that house, or this one? I, listen, I think all of those things are important decisions. And I think that if we're going to tap into what Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said the thief comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, but I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If I'm going to tap the abundance of the life in Christ, then I need his wisdom. Because naturally I can't do it. I can't, I can't plot my course the Bible says it's not within a man who walks to determine his path. I'm not smart enough to determine my, my steps the way I need to, so I need to lean on eternal wisdom of God. That's what Proverbs is all about. Uh, you know, so during this series, we've talked about uh, daily wisdom. We talked about proper thinking. It's important that we get the thinking right. Remember, no more stinking thinking. As a man, in, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. No more stinking thinking. We've talked about self-control. Uh, we've talked about how to deal with our fellow man. Last week we looked at conflict resolution, how that we've been called by God to, to uh, if it's possible, to be at peace with all people. It's important. It's important. We had great altar times and, and people have been writing down names and grudges. We talked about grudges and all of these things were important. This morning uh, we're going to look at a topic that affects every one of us. My title again 
is financial, financial peace, and we're going to look at God's wisdom regarding our finances. Now, I know this is not popular, okay? Um, I, I don't preach much on this. In fact, I, I, I struggled with the early service trying to figure out the last time I preached about finances, maybe pre-COVID. I, I really don't know. I've never, I've never been one of those, you know, there's some uh, pastors that feel like they need to preach once a month on it, and I'm not begrudging anybody. I just, I've never done that. I've never felt that. Um, but I do want to say this, just because I don't preach on this topic a lot does not mean it's not important. Let me, let me say that again. Just because I don't preach about biblical financial wisdom does not mean that, that the finances, our finances are not an important issue in our spiritual life. Uh, it, it's, it's an important topic that affects our daily walk with the Lord. Listen, we can try and downplay the role of money in our lives, but the really... The, 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 but it's really a big deal. Amen? Yeah. I, I, and I promise you, this is not a message about beating people over the head. That's not it at all. It's a message about foolproof in our lives when it comes to our finances because I think one of the areas that we are blind to foolishness is when it comes to finances. I mean, how many has ever been sucked into an MLL, MLM thing, uh, multi-level marketing, that promised you to make you all kinds of money only to find out that it didn't work? Or how many's bought products that promised to do one thing and it never did that thing that it promised to do? Listen, we've all been gullible. And today with the technology, listen, I, scammers. You know, everybody knows the phrase scam artist. We, we, we talk about scams. We, we, we're, we experience scams. Listen, how many of you got that email from your uncle in Nigeria? You, you got $10 million in the bank. All you got to do is send them $300 and you can have it. Yeah, we, again, it's, it's everywhere because finances are important. It's an important part of our lives. Um, we, we, foolish, we can foolishly handle our finances or we can walk in God's wisdom regarding finances. And when we walk in his wisdom, we find blessings. You know, I, I know there are people here and I know, I know many stories of people here that can tell you that, you know what? When you learn, when you tap into the wisdom of God regarding finances, things click. There, there's something about, it doesn't make sense. I promise you from a, from a financial standpoint, if you sat down with an advisor and, 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 and looked over things, it does not make sense. But God's wisdom transcends the wisdom of man. And God takes care of us. How many believe that? Listen, I promise you God is concerned about how we handle our money. I mean, Jesus one time, you think about it, Jesus goes to church one day. And if Jesus spends enough time in the gospel to stop and signal out one little widow, widow lady about her giving, I promise you he pays attention to our heart when it comes to our resources. I, I, I pictured the scene like this. Jesus is at church. They're at the temple with the guys, and, and there's a lot of commotion going on. It's a church service, and it comes time to receive the offering, and everybody gets up, and they have the receptacles down front here, and so everybody is coming forward, and they're dropping in their, their offerings to the temple, their temple offerings, and they're giving to the Lord. And, and, and there were wealthy people, and they were giving of their abundance. And, and it, you know, and you can imagine and so Jesus, they're over here talking, you know, and they're, you know, carrying on. And all of a sudden, something happens. He hears a noise, and he stops. There's a little widow lady that had gotten up and had made her way down to the front. And she took her two mites. And I, I, I bought two. Last time I was in Israel, I bought two mites. They're no bigger than the end of my pinky. Little bitty things. And she walked down with those two mites, and she dropped them in the offering. 
And Jesus hears a distinctive sound. And I, I always marveled at that because, again, all these other people came and they gave of their abundance. And it probably made a good noise and a loud noise because, again, there was probably gold and silver and all kinds of things that were going on. But here comes this lady with these ten coins, ten, not T-I-N, these little coins, these little mites, and she drops them in and he stops and says, hey, did you hear that? And I'm sure they're thinking, what are you talking about? This is a, a ruckus in here. He said, no, listen, Jesus thought enough about her giving that not only did he stop and use her as an illustration, he inspired the writers of the Bible to include her story so that you and I would know her story and be able to pass it on generate. God is concerned about how we use the resources that he's given to us. How I manage those resources reveals a condition of my heart. Again, we can... We can turn off, and if, if again, I, this, I've never, I, I say this apologetically, I'm going to stop, because I'm not going to apologize for pe- preaching God's Word. Amen. It's freedom. When you understand, it's freedom. Uh, you know, money has become a powerful and constant element in Western societies, and, and so we have people today, the pursuit of fame and fortune is what drives most people in our world. In fact, if, if somebody goes for a job interview, one of the first things they want to ask is, how much? How much does it pay? You know, because we want to we know. For sure, money is a hot topic of our time. In fact, one of, the most contentious, uh, one of the most contentious areas of a marriage relationship is the issue of money. Research has shown that well over 50, or over 50% of marriages or divorces, excuse me, uh, divorces are caused by financial pressure. And in particular, the mismanagement of resources. Mismanagement. I... Uh, I, I was sharing the story with the, in, in the early service, but I've known people, I've known couples that have gotten married and, and right off the bat, they run out and they charge up, they buy a new car, buy a new house, buy a new bike, buy a new boat, buy a new this and buy a new that. And the pressure of, that, of, that, of the purchasing, listen, credit's everywhere, right? Credit's everywhere. Credit's debt. And, and, and we've got many couples that are, that, are, that are drowning under the load of debt. And I've seen marriages that have fractured because of debt. I've seen marriages that have fallen apart because of debt. It's important. You know, and, and, and here's what happens is most people today tend to adjust their standard of living to their income. You've got to be careful about that because what happens is as your income goes up and your standard of living goes up, at some point you get to a place where you feel like you can't live on what you used to live on. I was reading a story the other day about some famous couple that were going through a divorce in Hollywood, and she was upset because the court had ordered him to pay $27,000 a month for childcare, and she said it wasn't enough. $27,000 a month in childcare, and it wasn't enough. You see, we get, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing this out there. We get to a standard of living and, and we think that we've got to always be there, but we never contemplate that times can change. Jobs can play out. Economies can tank and, and when we reduce our salary. And so we've got people that think they can't make it on what they used to make it on. Do you realize that for this, a single person in the United States, the average, the, the poverty line is right at $15,000? I promise you that $15,000 in most other parts of the world is wealth. There are surgeons in Cuba that wouldn't make $15,000 in two years. It's a matter of perspective. 
You know, learning to steward our resources or manage our resources uh, uh, helps us to tap into the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. You know, I wish I, I wish I could stand here this morning and tell you how to increase your income, but I didn't come to do that. I didn't come to try with strategies to increase your income and your cash flow and things like that. What I did come, though, is with biblical wisdom that will help you find financial peace and foolproof your life when it comes to financial resources. So I want to give you a few principles this morning as we wrap this series up to help us in managing money. And the first place I'm going to start, number one, is give faithfully. If you've not discovered the joy of giving, one of the things I love about uh, our world missions view from the Assemblies of God is that no matter where the missionary is stationed, no matter what their assignment is, every one of our missionaries teaches the biblical principle of tithing. Again, whether it be uh, uh, our missionaries that we have in Cuba or Venezuela or other China, even in China, when I was in Sri Lanka in March, uh, even there in Sri Lanka and in, in, in third world countries, we teach them the principle of giving. Because if you're going to find financial peace, it starts with giving faithfully. Um, Jesus said it like this in, in Luke chapter 6, said, give and what? And it will be given to you. And, and, and he goes on and said, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And then he said, for the same standard that you use in giving is the same standard that will be used in blessing us or in receiving. You know, I find it hard today that, uh, to understand that there are people that will trust God with their eternal souls but can't trust him with, the, with their pocketbooks. And to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We tend to give only when we think it's easy to give. And I, I appreciate this church. This church has always been a wonderfully giving church. We do so many ministries and, uh, and, and, and give so much to our community, have always done that. It's because of the generosity of, the, of this church. We've learned the strategy. You know, and, and what happens for most people today, or, or many people, is when, when, when things get tight, we tend to cut what we give to God. I would say don't ever do that. Give to God. Start there. You know, Jesus taught about, a lot about money and giving. In fact, he revealed that giving is a matter of obedience and faith. When I give, I'm trusting God that he's going to take care of me. That, that, that's what it's all about right there. We approach giving sometimes as though we're protecting our assets and hanging on to everything we get. That's hoarder, and that's not what we're called to be. We should trust the promises of God and be able to give generously. I love to be able to bless missionaries and uh, ministries and to sow into the community. And again, we're probably approaching with the, all the food and the stuff that goes on since COVID, we're probably hitting well over $4 million worth of groceries that have been given out uh, since 2020, and, and it, it just can, listen, God is faithful when you are faithful. Well, God is faithful whether you're faithful or not. Let me, let me correct that. But I'm just saying learning the art of giving. When, when we're stingy in our giving, it shows that we have a lack of gratitude for what God has given to us. Think about that. Whether things are tight right now or maybe you've got the boatload come in, give to God. Start right now giving to God Get in the habit of doing it. I love what Solomon said. He said, honor the Lord, how? With your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of your income, then your barns. He said, if you'll do that with all of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. In other words, we've all heard people say, well, you can't outgive God. Well, guess what? That's true. That's absolutely true. We had a, a, a guy many years ago, back in the mid-90s, that, that uh, 
he attended here for a period of time, and then he left, and he never, he didn't come back to church, but every week he would send in a tithe check. And, and probably several years after the fact, I run into him one day, and uh, uh, I, I just brought that up, and I said, man, you, every week we, we get your tithe check. And he said, well, just because I don't go to church doesn't mean I don't believe the principle. And I thought, wow, this old boy's got it. He understands he understands the principle. Being consistent in our giving will help us become consistent in other areas of our life. And not only that, but it also opens the doors for God's blessing. Solomon said in Proverbs 22, 9, says a generous man will himself be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. There is a direct correlation between what a person gives and what he receives. Again, I understand there are people that misrepresent this, okay? And it burns me up. There are people that, that, that promise you that if you'll send them that seed, that something's going to happen if you go online. Listen, I, it's everywhere. Just because somebody misuses the principles of Scripture doesn't mean that God's not going to honor His Word. I think we have to have a discerning heart to understand that. I saw the same feed come through the other day. I was kind of surfing through some videos, and there was this preacher again. I won't call his name. But he's standing on this street on stage and he's bragging about living in the biggest mansion in the state. And he was proud of it. He said, I ain't embarrassed about it. And I thought, you got your reward right here. This is your reward right here. You know, and, and, and stuff like that, people get turned right. So, so the world sees the church oftentimes like this, give me, give me, give me. Many of you might remember years ago, I said, you know what? Our philosophy here at Bethel is we're not like this. We're like this. Give, and it will be given. So the first place, the first priority of financial peace, give faithfully. Number two, keep track of your money. Keep track of it. That's a, I mean, again, if we're going to build financial peace, I need to know the picture of my financial health, right? I mean, have you ever wondered where money goes so fast? I don't know about you, but you can have a, I can have a $20 bill in my pocket on Monday, and by Tuesday, I have no idea where it went. Anybody else have that same problem? You know, I go look in the laundry, it's not there. Uh, you know, I look in the car, it's not there. I, I mean, it, you know, I had it on Monday, I don't have it on Tuesday, it's gone. And the thing is, I don't have anything to show for it. I have nothing to show for it. We tend to, de listen, we tend to de develop financial amnesia. How many of you do that? I, you, you develop financial amnesia. I mean, most people who carry significant balances on their credit card could not tell you what they put on that credit card. They have no idea. You know, it's, it's just easier, you know, charge it, you know, and we, we have no idea. We have financial uh, amnesia. I think it would be, uh, I think we would be surprised. I have an app on my phone that tells me when I overeat. I don't use it very much, but it... <laughs> <laughs> But, but it's available to me, <laughs> right? It's available to me. Listen, in today's world, in technology, there are programs out there that can help you track where your money goes. You know, you might be surprised at the end of the month to see that you're paying $150 a month for coffee. I, I'm, listen, if that's your thing, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody that likes to drink coffee. I, I'm not picking on you. Although Maxwell House is a whole lot cheaper than Starbucks. Uh, just, just saying. Just saying. <laughs> I'm going to get in some trouble right now. But again, think about it. If we struggle financially, it's all about prioritizing. It's all about prioritizing. I think we be, would be surprised 
again, at where our money goes. Solomon said in Proverbs 27, 23, and 24, said, Be sure to know the conditions of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. Basically, what he's simply saying is, know where you are financially. Get an idea of what's happening in your financial picture. Because if you don't know where you are, how do you know how much you can spend or, or if you can do this or do that? Be careful about that. Keeping track of your finances, again, doesn't require a lot of work, just consistency. Just consistency. Keeping good financial records, what it does is it makes us, uh, it, it enables us to manage from a position of strength, knowledge, rather than from weakness. So if I'm going to develop uh, financial peace, then I've got to know where things are. Again, Solomon said, uh, every prudent man acts out of knowledge. Every prudent man acts out of knowledge. Know where you are. Know your income. You know, we don't like to call it budgeting anymore. Well, if you don't like the word budget, get a spending plan. Get a spending plan. Call it, so, call it whatever you want to, but learn how to manage the resources that God has given. I don't know where you are financially this morning. Maybe you've struck the mother load and cash is rolling in left and right. Maybe you're sitting here this morning with no, you don't even have two nickels to rub together, let alone a dollar in your wallet. Wherever you are, God's word gives clear counsel about how to handle our finances in a God-honoring way. Paul said that a steward must be found faithful. Be faithful in what God's given to us. I think the third thing is this, plan ahead. Plan ahead. Now, we've done Financial Peace University here, uh, Dave Ramsey, I think three or four times down through the 30 years I've been here. Great program, talks about building a plan. Listen, if you know that a major purchase is on the horizon, build a plan to get there. If you want to go on vacation uh, next year, start now saving. You know, there, you can go to your bank and you can, you can actually set up an account to pull it out every, every week or every month to put in a vacation fund. Start planning now so that you don't have to use your credit card when the vacation time comes. Sound like a good idea to me. Have you, have you ever noticed that nobody succeeds on accident? No, nobody ever succeeds on accident. You, you never get to home plate without going through the other bases. You got to go to first, second, to third, and then home. Many successful people in our world today are th where they are because early on they started planning to get there. Where are you going to be in five years? Have you ever thought about it? And, and again, here's the thing. It doesn't take a huge amount of money. I think we get this idea in America that we've got to make X number of dollars before we can ever start making a financial plan that will benefit the family. Not true. Not true. You can start with where you are, what you have, and you can start building a financial plan that's going to benefit you in the long run. Here, here's a plan. I taught my children when they were growing up. How many of you have ever heard of Larry Burkett? Larry Burkett used to be the financial genius, you know, before Dave Ramsey. He had the Crown Financial, I think, was his program, had a daily talk show. Well, Larry Burkett used to have a bank. And so, so for my children, when they were growing up, I, I taught them what I call the 10-10-80. Oh, I didn't call it. He did. The 10-10-80 plan. And what that is is 10% tithe, 10% church, uh, excuse me, 10% tithe, 10% savings, and live on 80%. I'm a simple guy. That's a very simple way of doing it. If I, if I, if I have $1,000, then $100 goes to tithe, $100 goes in my saving, I have $800 in which to live. And so I taught them that. In fact, Larry Burkett had banks, and I bought a bank for each of them. I don't know you know, where they are right now. It's their business, not mine. But I taught them that. And they had a bank. It was a blue bank. One compartment was a church house. 
Then there was another part, compartment that was, the bank, uh, was the, the bank, and then there was a department store. And so for every uh, bit of money they got, some went in the church, some went in their savings, and then some went in the department store. And then if they went and wanted something, they pulled it out of the department store. If they didn't have the money, guess what? They didn't buy it. Teaching them the principle. It's easy. Again, you don't have to have a, a lot of money. You just have to start with what you have and start making a plan. And if you start young, and I would encourage young families here, teach your children young the joy of giving and watch them develop into a generous person that over their lifetime can not only bless the kingdom. Listen, there'll be people, uh, I mentioned this in early service, we've had over 5,000 people in, since, two, uh, since 1997 that have committed their life to Christ through the ministry of Bethel, either for the first time or rededication. 5,000 people that we have cards all the ministries that we've done. We were able to do those ministries because there were faithful people who gave into the, to, to the kingdom work right here at Bethel. So we're going to get to heaven one day and we're going to meet people that we've never met here on earth. We're going to see people that are in heaven that we've never seen in the church. And they're going to say, because you were faithful, y'all did this program, y'all did this outreach, y'all funded this thing here. We're here in heaven today. And think about those who have gone on and continue to do that work. It's important. Start a plan. Start your children young. Teach them the joy of giving and saving so that when they become our age, I know that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling some of the ones looking at me with the big eyes right now that, you know, you might be 15 right now and you think, man, pastor's really old. I mean, when I get there, listen, it'll happen just like that. You'll be set. Start a plan. Develop a plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Sit down, formulate a plan. You know, if it, think about it prayerfully, carefully. If, if, you're not, if you, you can't make it work, go sit down. With, here's an investment for you. Go find a financial advisor and talk to them. There are people that are gifted with the ability of finances that can help you. We need to do that. Develop a plan. Start now. Build a plan. Where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to be in ten years? Number four, here's another one. Save consistently. Again, this is very practical. You know, I feel like I'm in a financial seminar. This is God's word. Save consistently. You know, how, how often do we get in trouble because we haven't saved, and when something breaks, what do we do? We have to whip it out and say, charge it. You know, used to, we'd have to go to the store, and if they didn't have it, we didn't buy it. But now we've got trucks with smiles on their sides, painted on the sides. Right? <laughs> and and they'll, they'll smile every, every, every time they drive up to your driveway. They'll be smiling because they, <laughs> they enjoy that shopping spree online. Be careful. You know, God gave Pharaoh a dream. You remember that dream? In that dream, it showed that there were seven years, and the interpretation Joseph later interpreted that dream, and what it said was that there would be seven years of, of abundance, followed by seven years of lack or scarcity. So Joseph, being under the anointing of the Spirit of God, says to Pharaoh, say, look, he said, look, then this year, every time, uh, for these seven years, every time we have a harvest, let's take a portion of that harvest and let's put it aside and save it for, you know, Texas has what they call a rainy day fund. Everybody, anybody heard that terminology? Okay, so Texas has what they call a rainy day fund. So that's kind of the idea. God, uh, Joseph said, let's take a portion every harvest, 
set it aside in these barns because there's coming a time when we're not going to have enough and we need to be ready. I, I just want you to understand this morning that we, regardless of where we are economically as a nation, there are lean times coming. There, there are lean times coming. Are you prepared for that? You know, I, I read an article not long ago that showed the buying power of a $100 bill. How many of you ever recently had a $100 bill and you go into the grocery store and you come out with, with a bag and a half where it used to be six bags? The purchasing power today, if you were going to, so in, in 2004, the purchasing power of $100, today it would be $160. That's how much inflation has hit since 2004 to where we are today. To buy the same amount of $2,400, you'd have to spend 160 bucks today. What I'm saying is that these are not always going to be easy times. Again, we are blessed in this nation, but I'm telling you that there are difficult days coming. Are you prepared for them? Are you making a plan? Are you saving consistently? Because if not, you're going to be left. You're going to be caught. When I was a kid growing up, my, my parents farmed. My dad called it a garden, remember? But... When you're hoeing 10 acres, it's not a garden, it's a farm. <laughs> so I had to hoe the weeds. So it was, a, it was a farm. My parents canned everything. I lived in Mobile, Alabama, so it's Hurricane Alley. So every year we had at least a, a, a few tropical storms and some hurricanes that would come through. And I remember 1979 when Hurricane Freddie come barreling through the Gulf Coast there. And I was, I was about 14 years old in 1979, and, and this storm came through. And we were without power for three weeks. Yeah. Can you imagine that? We did not go hungry. Now, I promise you I didn't enjoy canned beans all the time and all of the other stuff that they put up. But you know what they did? They prepared because it's not a matter of if hard times are coming, it's when they come. And so the Bible, practical wisdom is we need to be saving consistently to prepare for those hard times. What happens if you go home today and your refrigerator's out? Do you have enough savings set aside to be able to go and buy one, or will you have to put it on a card? See, that's where we get in trouble. Be careful. I shared this story when I first moved to Texas uh, back in 1990, 91, whatever it was, uh, Sheila, Sheila started working for FDIC downtown Dallas. And, and I, I'd worked for a short period of time, then I was unemployed for 10 months. And in 10 months, I want you to hear this, in 10 months of me being unemployed, I lived on a credit card and amassed in, in 10 months or a little bit less, $25,000 in debt. Because we couldn't make it on what she was, was, was earning and looking back in hindsight, I'm a lot, I think I would hope I'm a lot wiser now and I would have different, do things differently. But back then, that's all I knew. I had, a, had good credit, so I thought, okay, well, I'll just live on a credit card. So $25,000. You know how long it took me to pay that off? 15 years. It took me 15 years to pay off what I got into in less than 10 months. If I had saved, set things aside, I would have been better prepared. Listen, times are going to get worse than they are right now. We need to prepare for it. Solomon said it like this, he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. See, that's the beauty about saving is you set it aside and then you let it, you let it grow. Again, start where you are. Every financial plan should include a systematic savings of a little of our income. Again, you may not be able to do 10%. Start at 3% or 5%. Start where you are. 
and build those savings for the future. Another thing that savings will do is that it will also help us, it'll, it'll teach us discipline, which is kind of opposite of what consumerism is. See, we want it now. And if we don't get it now, guess what we do? We get in the car and we drive within 100 miles trying to find it because we want it now. Again, today we live in a great society because that smiley truck can show up anytime. I mean, I can order something today and by tomorrow it's smiling in my driveway. I don't, have, I don't have to worry about it. I'm just simply saying it teaches us discipline. Proverbs 21, 20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man, listen to what he says, devours all he has. A foolish person is what we're talking about, is someone who, who uses and blows through everything they have. That's bad. The Living Bible puts it like this. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. I want to challenge you today as I bring this in for a landing. Again, this is not, it's a totally different message than all that I preach, but it's very important because I see the struggles that families are under the pressure of debt. Today with groceries, what, you know, Sheila and I, again, she doesn't eat, uh, she doesn't eat a lot. I eat probably more than I need to, <laughs> but it's the two of us. And I'm alarmed, I'm alarmed at what it costs to come out of the grocery store. I, I can't imagine families, particularly single family households, and how difficult it is. I think that's one of the motivators by continuing to do our food drive and distribution is because people are struggling today. You know, what I'm saying is we need to learn how to manage our resources. And 30 years of pastoring here, we, we do a benevolence. We have a benevolence fund. There are people that come through, and if we're able to help, we help what we can. But you know what I found out? What I found in 30 years is most people, it's not a matter of not having enough resources. It's not managing the resources. Because we've taught in our society that fun is the ultimate, that we deserve to be happy, we have to be happy, and so we'll go spend $300 on a night out and enjoy ourselves, and we'll let a $75 light bill go go and then we'll go try to find somebody that will pay it for us learning how to manage our resources and do the priorities i'm not against having fun i'm not against drinking coffee i'm just saying if you look at your financial picture and you shouldn't be drinking a starbucks every day or every two hours don't drink a starbucks every two hours i'm being practical if you can't afford to Go out for lunch every day. If it's costing you a lot of money in your household and you're struggling, you know what? You can go buy bimbo bread. They have sandwich meat. You can pack a lunch. You know what? They still make Denny more beef soup or beef stew. They still have sardines with mustard sauce and crackers. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the guys are like, now he's talking. <laughs> yeah, everybody else is like, gross. You understand what I'm saying? If I sit down and I look at my financial picture and I shouldn't be doing that, then don't. I'm not, I do think that paying yourself, I do think every once in a while it's nice to go out and have fun. But take care of your obligations. Take care of your financial health and well-being. Lastly is this, eliminate debt. Eliminate. How many of you get credit card offers every day in the mail? Isn't that ridiculous? Have you ever opened and read those things? I opened one just, uh, just not long ago, and I opened it up, and it says, congratulations. You've been invited to apply for this credit card that's going to ruin your life. 
Well, it didn't say that, but, <laughs> but that's the way I read it. I mean, again, they sucker you in by buttering you up, by saying congratulations, like, oh, I did something important. I've been invited. And then they tell you, okay, for, for the next 30 days, we're going to let you have, you can go out and charge. you got a $10,000 line of credit. You can go out and charge, and we're only going to charge you 3%. And then it'll go 38% after that. <laughs> it happens all the time. Scams today, I mean, we have people that are falling for scams simply because we've become so financially overwhelmed with stuff that anything that promises an easy road, we're going to fall for it. When I came back from Germany, you heard this before, but I didn't know what an infomercial was. I, I, I did Before I went to Germany, there, there was no such thing. So when I come back and... Uh, from my time serving overseas, I'm sitting there watching TV in my in-laws' house, and this infomercial pops up, and it's telling me how to buy a Mercedes Benz for less than $500. And I'm thinking, my mind starts, my wheels start turning. I'm like, oh, I could go into business and luxury cars, and I could go buy these things for $500, and I could turn around and, and. So I, I, I call the number. You didn't have any online back then, so I call the number. And they said, well, you got to buy this book. I said, okay, well, how much is the book? And it was like $19.95. And all right, I'll spend I'll send me the book. I got the book in. It looked like they had gone through a paper and taken things and just stapled them together. I was so humiliated that I fell for it. I, in fact, I'd go to the mirror and look, see if I had gullible on my forehead. Anything that promises a silver bullet. I told the early service, I was working for the health department in Irving when the lottery came out in, uh, way back when, in the 90s. And I remember a story, and I, I think it was in North Dallas, there was a guy that got paid on a Friday, goes into the convenience store, uses his entire paycheck to buy lottery tickets. That, back then it was a scratch-off. He sat in his car and he scratched off every one of those tickets and did not win near enough to cover the money that he had spent. He goes back in and he robs the store. And then he goes to jail. We live in a debtor society today. I, I think it would be safe to say there's almost nothing that, that uh, causes a person grief and, and uh, anguish is debt. Anybody ever been there? Overwhelmed with debt. I mean, who, who among us hasn't felt the misery of being in debt? We, we're in debt, and what happens is we no longer work for ourselves. You know what? We're working for somebody else. It's kind of like the old bumper sticker that says, I owe, I owe. So off to work I go. And that's true. And what happens is we become a creditor slave and, we, and the enjoyment that we should have from doing gainful employment and working is taken from us because we know that when we get paid, we are obligated to give to our creditors that have given us credit. Debt is a major issue in our lives today. Marriages are in trouble today because we've mismanaged our resources. Nothing good can come from debt. Again, I... I, I'm not talking about mortgage and things that have appreciating value. The Bible doesn't teach that all debt is wrong. What it does teach is that we should not be a slave to debt. If you're using credit cards to finance a way of life that you can't otherwise afford, you're a slave to debt. I'm talking about consumer debt, things like credit card, department store cards, these non-secure obligations that you can get into quickly and then instantly turn your life into a mess. Start a plan. And work that plan. One of the things, guys, come on back as I wrap this up. One of the things that Financial Peace University teaches 
is what they call the snowball, debt snowball. And what that, pro, what that, that what it means is you start off with, the, with, with your least, so if you have a, a card that has $500 on it, then pay that off and then take the balance, or the payment that you were paying on that card and then roll it up on the next one. And then you pay that off and you take the payment that was on both of those and you roll it up on the next one and you just snowball it to where you are eliminating debt and bringing freedom in your life. Have you ever seen that MasterCard commercial that shows people using their credit cards to, uh, uh, and, and really what it's, the message is, it's a key to happiness. So, so it'll say something like this, airfare for two to Paris, $2,600. Rental of a private chalet for the one you love, $2,200 a night. An evening at a sidewalk cafe for your love, $180. Sharing it with the one you love, priceless. I've always felt like they needed to add a final line. The stress of having to pay that off at 29%, not worth the price. <laughs> not worth the price. Listen, these are five simple, very practical steps to help us find financial peace. Jesus said, I give you peace, not as the world gives. I, I promise you that it doesn't make sense. I remember when my son was little and, and, we, and I was teaching them about giving and tithing. And, and I, I've had boats. I've had a couple boats in my lifetime. And he would say, Dad, why, why don't you give so much money to the church? We could buy a really nice boat because all my boats have been used boats. You know, some of them were from back in the 70s. <laughs> a little caulk here, it'll never hurt. I mean, as long as it doesn't let water in. Hey, fish don't care what kind of boat I got. Right? Why do you give so much money to the church? You could do this, you could do that. And I thought, yeah, you know what? You're right, I could. But, but, out of obedience and faith, I'm trusting that whatever I give. Listen, there are people here that I could have stand up right now and tell you incredible financial miracle stories of how they took God. Only place in the Bible where God ever said, test me is when it came to our finances. That's the only place. Everywhere else he said, don't, don't, don't push me. But here he said, go ahead and test me. Go ahead and try me and see what I'll do. We had a lady years ago, I'm closing with this story, Nell Harwell. Some of you remember Sister Nell? Every time, the very few times I would preach on giving, Sister Nell was a lady that lived on a, she was a widow lady, lived on a fixed income. In fact, if, if I remember correctly, her income wasn't but about $570 a month. That's all she made. She was by herself. Social Security is all she got. And every time I would preach a message the few times on giving, you could see her countenance would change. She would get depressed. And I'd know I'd get a, I knew I'd get a phone call during the week, and she would, she'd call me, and she would always be down on herself. Well, Pastor Mike, I'm just such a horrible Christian. I don't, you know, and she'd go through, and I'd just talk to her and try to get her off the ledge. And one day, I preached a message, and she, again, she called me. And I had the idea that day, and I said, I said, now, I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, it bothers you that you're not, you're giving. I said, I'm not, I'm not putting guilt on you at all. It's not, it's between you and the Lord. I said, but it's obvious to me that this is a is your Achilles heel. It's something that truly, truly bothers you. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, do you trust me? 
She said, oh, Pastor, you know I do. I trust you. I said, then here, here's what I want you to do. I said, when, when do you get paid next? Now, I'm not normally this brash and this forward. But with her, I felt like I needed to. I said, I said now, when, when do you get paid next? And she said, well, I'm expecting my check, you know, in just a couple of weeks. And I said, I tell you, here, here's what I want you to do. I said, when you get your check, I said, you take out the tithe that you feel bad about not giving. I said, I want you to take it out. And I said, I want you to give it on Sunday. And of course, she starts saying, well, pastor, you know what? I, what am I, what am I going to do if I don't, if I don't have enough? What, how am I going to cover my bills? And, and, and it starts going through all of that. She said, but what about this? And what about that? And so I finally said, no. I said, do you trust me? She said, pastor, I trust you with my life. I said, okay, so here's what I'm going to tell you. I said, if you, I said, go ahead and do that. I said, give, and I said, if any time during the month that you run short, I said, you call me, and I'll make up the difference. I'll do whatever needs to be done to make you whole. I said, can you do that? She said, yes, sir, I will. That lady started that next paycheck giving what she had at that moment. And, and gave for the next a couple of years before she passed away, she had such joy, you know, that it, it didn't bother her. She didn't feel inferior to other believers. She was be beaming with joy. In fact, when we did our million-dollar campaign that we did to do our, 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 grow, our expansion, she participated in that. Uh, she said, it's not much. I said, don't matter. I said, it all adds up. She gave me, I think, $5. To her, it was a lot of money. She I can count probably on one hand in the next three or four years, whatever it was till she passed, how many times she called me up and said, hey, pastor, I'm running short. Can you help me? And I honored my word, and I was there for her every single time. I tell you what happened. I would get phone calls from her. She'd call me one day after she'd give. She'd call me up and say, Pastor Mike, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what happened? She said, you know, I you know how women change purses a lot, right? And I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> She said, well, I was going back through one of my purses. She said, you know what I found in there? She said, I found $20. Or I found $40. Or I found $5. She was always calling with stories like that. What I'm saying is learn to get your financial house in order, and it will bring you peace. You know, the word of the Lord doesn't bring condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not about condemning. It's about freeing. And when we tap into it, we can have financial peace. Won't you stand with me? Make a choice today to build a plan. Get out of debt. If you're going to foolproof your life, start giving to the Lord. Start honoring Him with your giving. It may be a new venture. Maybe you've never done that before. Start now. You know, one of my goals with Sheila and I, I've always, I've always longed for this goal. I want to, give, I want to be able to give 20% and live on 80%. I want to be able to sow into the, I love the work of the kingdom because you know what? The Bible says not to store up treasure here on earth. See, I can make investments in eternity by what I do now with the resources God's given to me. And so my, my ultimate goal is I want to be able to get to a place where I'm living on 80%. Anybody ever know the story of Letourneau? Anybody ever hear the story of Letourneau? You've never, you've never read his story. He's a guy that's got a college over in East Texas. He was a heavy, heavy equipment guy. Here's a guy who at the time of his death, was giving 90%, living on 10%. God blessed that man because of his mindset of giving that just caused that business. It's a global 
It's a global business. Go read this story sometime. Incredible. Listen, it, it works. And God brings peace. I want you to bow with me this morning. I know this is a little bit different than the way it, the service went last week, but if we're going to foolproof our lives, there's, there's nothing that brings calamity and chaos to us more than being out of balance financially. We struggle. It creates hardships in the household. That's not of God. In fact, as we move into the Thanksgiving season here in, a, in the next 10 days, the Bible teaches to be content with wherever we are and whatever we have. I'm not, I think God blesses us and we can enjoy the blessings in favor of God, but don't skip out on honoring Him. We're going to sing here in a moment, and I'm, I'm just going to close it out like this. Again, I think the altar is where things are altered. If you're here today, maybe you're overwhelmed in debt. And maybe you say, God, I, I need a way out. I want you to help me. I want you to help me. Put me in contact with people and resources that can help me to dig my way out of this hole of debt. Maybe it's not saving consistently. Maybe there's some other struggles that you're having. Maybe you've got a, an immediate financial need right now. It's a crisis. And you need to release that to God. Say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But I need a way out. I trust you today. While we sing this morning, if that's you, I want you to bring, just, just come up and just, again, in a, in a figurative way, just say, Lord, I give it to you this morning. I want to I have financial peace today. I want to leave with peace regarding my finances. That's you. I want you to come this morning. I want us to pray. Worthy this is your time. Of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, we lay above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. 
You can trust him this morning. You can trust him this morning with every part of who you are. Can, can, I, can I leave you with one story? Just in, in dismissing. One story. Several years ago, um, Sheila had to, she'd gone to the doctor to, um, they, they were going to build a, a power chair for her. And it was one of those chairs that would raise up, it tilts, it's a zero gravity because she has to stay, she's wheelchair bound. So it's a chair that was built to her body type 
and it cradles her in kind of kind of a zero gravity chair. And so insurance, fortunately, insurance was able to purchase, uh, you know, pay for a good portion of it. And we had waited for a long time for the chair. And so I finally, I finally called the representative. I said, hey, we're really excited about the chair. When do you think that chair is going to get here? And they said, well, let, let me check the record. And so they checked the record and she said, well, the chair won't be delivered. And there's a, there's a $5,600 charge that's got to be paid before the chair. So in my mind, again, the naivete of not knowing how expensive Medicare medical equipment is, I'm thinking that's how that's what it cost was $5,600. And I said, so you, you're telling me that the insurance is not paying anything. I thought they said that it was approved and they were gonna they were gonna pay for it and I would pay my portion. She said, sir, that's a sixty thousand dollar chair. I like to fell out. She said, that is your portion. And so I thought, after I got my jaw off the floor, I thought, where in the world am I going to come up with $5,600 to, to get her chair? So I'm, I'm just, and I just said, okay, God, you're going to have to do something. I, she needs a chair. I don't know what to do. The next day, I kid you not, the next day, my doorbell rings. And I go open the door, and it's a friend of mine, somebody I know, I've known for a long time. They said, Pastor, we were driving, and as we were driving, we felt the Lord tell us that we needed to come over here, and we wanted to bless you with some money. They had no idea. I had not told anybody, not a soul. They said, God just told us, and it was not just to me, it was to my wife, too. And when I looked at her and said, I really felt like the really feel like the Lord wants us to go do something. And he said, Well, I do too. And he said, What's the amount? It was the exact same amount to both of them. And he said, So out of obedience, he said, We don't know what's going on, but out of obedience, here's fifty five hundred dollars. I, I I thought, wow. I, I'm 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 not telling I'm just simply saying that when you honor God. He finds a way. Never in a million years could I have dreamed of something like that happening, and yet it happens. And she sits in a chair today because somebody listened, because they, they were blessed because they had given. I want to challenge you to be open. I always look for opportunities because God's been faithful to me. I look for opportunities so I can do that to others because you can never outgive God. Learn how to find financial peace. And watch what it'll do to your life. My kids were raised going to restaurants, us buying lunch and dinners for other people and then watching them try to figure out who it was. It's something joyful about giving to others. Learn to get in financial peace and watch what God will do. Father, today I love you so much. Thank you. I know this is a little bit different type of message, but Lord, I speak blessings today over finances. Lord, help us to get our financial life in order. Lord, help us to be content with wherever we are right now and, Lord, to serve you in that spot right there until you bless us. Lord, help us to resist the temptation of our consumerist society to always have more and to always want newer and better. Lord, let us be content. Let us learn to live where we are. Let us learn the joy of giving freely. Let us learn the joy of saving consistently. 
and managing properly. Lord, I pray that you would help us to alleviate and eliminate debt from our lives and learn how to live within our means. And Lord, help us to tap into the joy that comes from walking in covenant relationship with you. Lord, guide our financial decisions. Give us wisdom. Lord, if we can't figure it out, Lord, put us in contact with those who can help us build a plan that will secure us for our, eternal, our financial future. Now, Father, I pray a blessing upon every person here, every pocketbook, every, credit, uh, every checking account, every savings account, every place of employment. I bless them, and I ask you to prosper them in all that they do as we walk in that relationship with you. Give us a great day, a great week. Lord, may we come expectantly again. I love and bless each one in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen. Thanks for being with us online. I'll see you next time. God bless you and I love you.